0: Thank you for checking out our podcast here at Eastern Assembly of God Church in Baltimore, Maryland. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at www.easternassembly.org. This morning, I am going to begin a new series called Eternity Changes Everything. No, I'm not going to preach for an eternity. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. But we're going to talk about eternity. Think think this through with me for just a moment. If you believe that when your life ends, that is the end, and that this world is all that there is, friend, then you better live it up and give it all you got in this world because when you're done, and you better hope you don't die early, it's all over. On the other hand, if you believe that there is an eternity on the other side of this life, it changes everything. Then your life on this earth compared to eternity, as the Bible says, is just a vapor. Then your life needs to be lived in light of eternity. To live as if this is all there is when you know there's an eternity, or to put the bulk of your attention on this life alone when you know there's an eternity, would be a huge mistake. A gargantuous miscalculation. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, that he, the he is God, has also set eternity in the hearts of men. God has put in you and I this sense, this inner knowing, that there is more to this life, Than just this life. God has inserted in us this sense of eternity. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. But why do we even think about an afterlife if none exists? Why do we even think about a God if there is no God? Where does the thought of God and eternity come from? Can I help you this morning? He has put eternity in our hearts. There was an ancient philosopher by the name of Rene Descartes. And his famous statement in Latin, I don't even know if I'm saying it right because I don't know Latin very well, but cogito ergo sum, which means I think, therefore I am. And his, his philosophical thinking was that the fact that I can think means that I, I must exist. And then he took it a step f- further the, the fact that I can think about God certainly gives credence to the existence that he is. Look at this verse with me, which will be the theme text for this series. Colossians 3, 2-4, it says this. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you'll also appear with him in glory. Set your mind, Paul said, on things above, not on earthly things. You say, Pastor, does, does that mean it's wrong for me to be thinking about that new couch that we so desperately need? Pastor Ed, we're, we're searching for a, a new home. Is that wrong? Well, we, we all live in this world for now, so we have to give some attention to the things of this world. But where is your mind set on? What is the main focus of your affections and attention. Jesus said it so well. Where your treasure is, if here, that's where your heart is. If there, that's where your heart will be. For you died, Paul continues. What is it that you died to when you received Jesus? You died living for yourself and this, a world, this world-focused life. You now belong to him. You're part of another kingdom, an eternal kingdom. Let's just say for a moment, for illustration's sake, that this sunflower field represents your eternity. This is, this is your eternity. Each of the sunflowers represents years and years and years and years. Well, let's say you gave all your attention, you plucked one of those sunflowers, and you gave all your attention to just that one sunflower while the entire field died. Because you thought that your entire life was that sunflower. Would that not be a travesty? Would that, God, God would say, hey, get your eyes off that one and realize there is something so much bigger. Eternity changes everything. When Christ, Paul goes on, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him. Hey, when Jesus comes, you'll be glad you put your affection and attention on heavenly things. And this morning, after that introduction, I want to spend some time talking about putting your focus and your longing on Jesus' coming. Because part of thinking eternally and being eternally minded is being excited about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this past week, Rachel and I celebrated our eighth wedding anniversary I love that picture, a lot of us, on our wedding day. We met in March of 2010 and married in April of 2012, just a little over two years. For the first year, she was in Maine, and the second year, she was in New York, so the bulk of our relationship was long distance. But listen, when you love someone, you long to be with them. You endure long distance, in anticipation and in hope of that day when you'll be together forever for a lifetime. Now listen, I have a relationship with Jesus. That relationship started when I was 18 years old and I opened the door and I asked Jesus in. I am grateful that I can worship him and feel his presence. I am grateful that I can pray and enjoy fellowship with Him. I am grateful for the Word of God where I can learn more about Him. But can I tell you something? Say, go ahead, Pastor. I long for the day when I can see Him in person. I long for His coming because I want to see Him face to face and experience the fullness of who He is. Long distance is okay but in person is better. You know what I find interesting when I read the New Testament? As I work my way through the New Testament, I find so many of the books of the Bible, they they talked about Jesus coming as if it was going to happen in their generation. And what's interesting about that is if Jesus died around 33 AD and the entire New Testament was finished by the end of the first century, that means really it was a very short time that these authors are writing, man, we hope he comes now. And why do you think? Well, some of them had been with him in person, and they knew what life was like to have Jesus right there. And they longed for that moment when they could see him again. Now, Paul wrote the book of Thessalonians, actually the books of Thessalonians, first and second. And some of the Thessalonians so anticipated Jesus coming at any moment that they were almost paralyzed by it. Others thought that they had missed Jesus coming. So Paul writes and talks about Jesus coming. And he says these words. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so this day should surprise you like a thief. What day? This day. Jesus coming. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. Why should we be alert and self control when it comes to how we live? Because Jesus is coming. Should we not be living in anticipation of his coming? When I got saved, there were sermons on Jesus' return. There were movies on Jesus' return. Anyone remember A Thief in the Night? A Distant Thunder, there was much talk and anticipation of Jesus' coming. That was revived again uh, even as late as 2000 when Tim LaHaye was writing the Left Behind series. And as he was writing that series and there was an anticipation of the turn of the clock of 2000 and Y2K, there was a lot of anticipation. Could be this be the moment when Jesus returns? Now, I'm not suggesting that we need to live in hysteria of Jesus coming. I'm not saying you need to quit your job, pack your bags, and go buy a, a, a big trailer that says he's coming soon. I'm not saying you should be in fear of his coming. What I'm, think, what I'm saying today is if you're eternally minded and you're in love with Jesus, you long to be with him, and you long for that day when he returns and he calls you home. Paul's last letter before he was martyred is believed to be 2 Timothy. And it seems that Paul knew that his time, had a sense that his time on earth was short. And he writes to his son, the son in his face, Timothy. And he wrote these words. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, listen now, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. It's as if Paul understands that anybody who's truly in love with Jesus will also be truly longing for his appearing. Why? Because when you love someone, you want to be with them. A phone call is good, but not good enough. A text is knife, but not good enough. A lot of people are learning to Zoom, but if you're in love with Jesus, you're looking for the day when he's going to Zoom on down here and take us out of here. Can you say amen? The Bible says, as a matter of fact, that all creation is longing for Jesus' return. That even creation has a sense that this world is out of order and groans, if you will, for that time when things are put back in order. Romans 8 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. When is the redemption of our bodies? When Jesus returns. Can I ask you something today? Have you seen enough of this world and the mess we're in? Are you grieved as you look around this world and you see the ever-growing effects of sin upon this world? Are you sick of the division of politics in this world? Do you long for a time when our gatherings won't be interrupted anymore? Hello. Or has this world stolen your heart and affections? say, but pastor, I'm enjoying married. Or I want to get married. I have children. Or I want to have children. I'm just starting college. There are places that I want to see and experience. Baseball season is starting soon, I hope. What about my life? Well, listen, as long as you're here, live your life. But live it looking up. As long as you're raising a family, raise your family. But living, live it looking up and point your family to look up as well. Don't get so engrossed and embedded in this world that you forget about your first love, Jesus. Don't forget, he's coming to take us home. And then we'll know him as he ought to be known, face to face. You know, Jesus said in the book of Revelation, that there were some in the church of Ephesus that had lost their first love. He said it this way, but I I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Once you longed for my coming, once you you just thought about the day that you and I were going to be united, what happened? This world has captured your attention. Return to me, says the Lord. Paul at one point wrestled with this thought of going to be with Jesus. He said, yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Paul said, for your sake, I'm going to stick around, because if it was up to me, Man, I'd go be with Jesus. That's where my heart is. That's where my life is. Now, listen, my my desire for Jesus' return is not because I don't appreciate and love my family. It's not because I'm trying to shirk my responsibility as a father, as a husband. I will love and bless my family as long as I'm here. My desire for Jesus' return is not because uh, I want to see a bunch of people miss out with God. As long as I'm here, I'm going I'm to seek to proclaim the good news of Jesus. My longing for Jesus' return is because I want to be with the one that I love because I recognize this flesh that I'm in is a hindrance. It, it, it causes separation at times. And I long for the moment when I can escape this fleshly body and go to be with Jesus and know him as he knows me. Paul said this, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Talking about how how we see God. Then we shall see him, help me, face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Can you say amen? Can can I tell you something when you see Jesus? You're going to forget about your house remodel. You're going to forget about who leads the American League East. You're going to forget about that cruise to Alaska. You're going to forget about that wedding that you had in three weeks. You're going to shout. You're going to dance. You're going to be totally enthralled with the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ our Lord. And you're going to say, I'm home. You know, there was a time... When Peter, James, and John were with Jesus, when Jesus was transfigured, came, his, his garments as white as snow, and there appeared Elijah and Moses. And for the disciples, this was like, like heaven touching earth. It was just such a heavenly, glorious moment. Peter said to Jesus, he said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. In other words, let, let's just hang out here. This is, this is like heaven on earth. But you know, there were, there were still some people at the bottom of that mount who needed ministry. There were some people who still needed Jesus' attention. As long as he was here, he was going to give them that attention. That must be our attitude. Listen, if Jesus doesn't come today that I'm still going to keep telling people about Jesus. I'm going to still live in for him. And if he does come today, to live as Christ, to die is gain. Paul said in Corinthians, he said, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we'll be changed. He's talking about Jesus coming. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, the amount of time it takes like to enter and leave your eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. And can I add, and gone from this earth. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about Jesus coming. Not every Christian is going to experience death. Those who are here when Jesus returns will be miraculously translated from this earth to be with the Lord. And then a little further down in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says these words, and I want to take it just a few words at a time. Therefore, therefore in light of his coming, my dear brothers, Paul was addressing these words to his brothers and sisters in Christ because that's those who are going to go be with the Lord. And can I say to you today, if you don't have the assurance that you would go be with Jesus if he comes today, today would be a wonderful day for you to open up your heart, invite Jesus to come in, forgive you, and he is going to transform you into his son and his daughter. And with his entrance will come the assurance that you are now right with God. Therefore, my dear brother, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Stand firm in what? Stand firm in what you believe. Because this world's gonna try to pull your attention and your affections away. Let nothing move you. Why? Because he's coming. Don't forget what an angel said to Jesus' disciples as they stood there amazed and perhaps even dumbfounded, dumbfounded as Jesus ascended into heaven. Men of Galilee, they said, those angels, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Think of that. The angel said, you saw him go up? As surely as you saw him go up, guess what? He is coming back. And that's really the connection between Easter and the second coming. On Easter, he arose. And in his arising, we shall also arise Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 23. But each of us in his own turn, Christ the first fruits, the first one out of the grave, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Now going back to our passage that we started, let me finish it. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. If Jesus... Doesn't come today, that's because there's still work for us to do. And we are to give ourselves to it. Can I ask you today? Are are you living in light of Jesus' return? It changes your perspective, it changes how you live your life. Eternity changes everything. It creates a certain holy fear that you live in. Think of this remember when you were a little younger? And maybe you were a little sneaky at times around your parents? And what happened when they walked into your room or they came upon you at one of those moments when you had hoped they wouldn't be there? Oops, I'm in trouble. This isn't good. Friend, if, if you believe Jesus could come today, at any moment, it changes how you think. It changes how you act. Peter said these words dear friends i urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul you can't live like those who think this world is all there is you have to live like one who believes that jesus is going to return you know one of the most hurtful things that can happen in this life it's when you're married and you stumble upon your spouse being unfaithful. They didn't think you'd find out. But whether you see the text, or whether you're home at a time you're not supposed to be home, and you find someone else in bed with your spouse. Heartbreaking. Tragic. Can I tell you something? You don't want to be happen to you. You don't want to have Jesus come and him find out you're having a love affair with this world. You don't want the thought of of Jesus returning and your hands and your affections are tied to this world without a thought of his return and him coming to get the ones that he loved. Jesus told the story of a man and, and, and his fields were, he was a farmer and his fields were prospering. And his thinking was, well, I'll just build bigger barns. I'll just collect more, I'll have more, and then I can just take it easy and live life the best of life. I'll have everything that I need. And here's how Jesus replied to that parable. He said, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Come on, church, can I tell you today? Jesus is coming again. As sure as we believe that he came out of the grave and with all the evidence there is that he did is the assurity that he's coming again. I believe one of the evidences that someone is dearly in love with Jesus. Yes, they'll do all they can do to remain in fellowship with him in the here and now. But there's a longing. To see him face to face. And there's a cry that says, Lord, why not today? Jesus, today would be a good day to see you face to face. And if he doesn't come today, then there's work for me to do. But let me live with that anticipation. Because I'm in a love affair. And I want to see the one I love face to face. Can you say amen? And let me go back to somebody listening here today. That perhaps as you sit there right now, Jesus is knocking on your heart's door. Let me tell you how this works. He, he, he comes and he pulls, he tugs. He, he seeks to open your eyes so that you'll see. And when, when he is working or pulling on you, then it's important at that moment that you respond and you not harden your heart. Because if you harden your heart, you'll, you'll create further distance. But if you'll respond, God will respond back and he'll pull even more trying to bring you to that place where well, you open the door of your heart and receive Jesus. And if God is doing this to you in this moment, then I encourage you to open the door of your heart and from your heart just say, Jesus, I believe in you, I turn from my sin, and I receive you, Jesus. And with sincerity of heart, he will hear that cry and he'll come in. And let me ask you today, Christian, are you living in anticipation of his coming? Do you really understand that this world and everything in it will come to an end, that you are here for just a short time, just just one sunflower, but there's so much more. And the best is yet to come. In fact, the Bible says we're supposed to encourage each other with the words of his return. Because no matter what you're going through, at some point it's going to end forever. Can you say amen? Let me pray for you this morning, please. Father, I pray for everyone who is listening right now or will later listen to this message, God. Father, I believe you are seeking, especially during this time when you've cut off so many things from us and we're spending more time at home and God is saying, let your house be a house of worship. Draw close to me. And, Lord, I believe the many things we see happening in this world, things like COVID-19, increases of earthquakes, locust plagues, are the birth pangs, the early signs of your return. Let us not miss us, miss it, Lord. Let us be watching and praying so when that trumpet sounds, without a shadow of a doubt, we're going home to be with you. Thank you for that hope. Thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning into this message today. We pray that there was something shared in here that encouraged you and challenged you to grow in your faith. If you prayed along with us to accept Jesus into your life, we encourage you to go to our website at easternassembly.org and follow the instructions on the screen here and click I Accepted Jesus. This is going to give you a short form. We just ask for some basic information, but that's going to allow us to be able to follow up with you and to help give you some resources to continue to grow in your faith. Thank you so much for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you next week.